hurts. Sometimes, sometimes the truth hurts. I don't know about other people, but it just hurts sometimes. What's good, LL Nation? When is peace? Lucky Lefty Podcast. I am Sean Davis at SD2 Mics, the original Lucky Lefty himself, Malik Zaire, that dude over there. At Overtime Malik, tonight's show is brought to you and featuring, as always, Anora Whiskey. Go to anorawhiskey.com. It's that premium American whiskey, anorawhiskey.com. If you are in the South Bend area, go to wherever spirits are sold, especially around Notre Dame Stadium, and ask for Anora Whiskey. We might have a, a Nora Whiskey event in South Bend on the 23rd, bro. We will. It's going to be there. It's going to be there for sure. I, I can't wait, boy. I can't wait. Now, I might not do, you know, a shot for every year I've been on the earth. That's that's That'll be too many. You'll make it, to, you'll make it 10 good years. That's what I say, 10 good years. <laughs> I'm a newborn as far as that's concerned. Let's talk about, I want your, we'll get to this special guest continuing the birthday week for our guy Malik Zaire. Former Notre Dame running back Dexter Williams joins us in about 25 minutes. But we wanted to talk about the three biggest or best moves Marcus Freeman has made since he was hired. The three biggest or best moves since Marcus Freeman was hired. So I'm going to yield the floor to you, my brother. Like, out of all the moves, hirings. I think the first one, obviously, is the he stand hired, the rehire of Harry he stand, mm-hmm. establishing the offensive side of football, especially in the trenches, and getting Harry he stand in that is definitely a, a, a wisdom in a coaching sense, a guy that's wet behind the ears, but making uh, elite advanced head coaching decisions. Is, and that one of them is bringing uh, Harry Heastan back into the fold. Another is also bringing his right-hand man, James Laurinaitis as another big piece to the pro to the project, because being in a situation, first year head coach, you have a lot of voices in your head. What other better way of bringing in a, a veteran guy, not only experience, but a better guy, you need yeah, you need your boys. You need somebody you can really, really trust. And James Laurinaitis, not being at Notre Dame, but still knowing Marcus Freeman well enough to be in a position to help you in the time where he's transitioning to uh, something that I think could be his career. I think it's something that uh, is a huge move for him. And then last, the, the last move just so far is that him putting himself as the lead recruiter. And being the forefront of changing the perspective of Notre Dame, changing what the program means, and giving it a fresher sense to the word of what Notre Dame can give to to athletes, and that's something that Marcus Freeman telling us he's making that move and showing us and leading that recruiting is a huge piece in changing and transitioning into a fresher MFR. So my three, I think I have one thing that you have in your three. I like your three, though, because I didn't even think about the Harry Heastan joint. I didn't think about that one. That is very important. My first one, I have a little evidence to support my first one. And you know what? Let me give the other two. I'll start out with sitting down 
at the big boy table and recruiting. That was the third biggest thing he's done. You can this can be shown by his trip in January to IMG Academy, where he met with the coach. He had already the staff had already offered Carnell Tate. They were already interested in Samuel and Pimba. But he sat down with the IMG coach and told him, basically, I want this dude, this dude, this dude, and this dude. I want six dudes on your roster. Former regime wouldn't have had the guts to do that at a school like IMG. But the fact that he sat down and told IMG's head coach, I want six players off your roster. That's what I want. I'm not leaving them without it. That's what I want. He sat at the big boy tape. He's scrapping and leading the way in recruiting. This goes hand in hand with the points you make. He said that I'm the lead recruiter. Nobody will outwork me on my staff in recruiting. And I'm going to outwork the top coaches in America in recruiting. I don't even know if he plays golf, my brother. I don't even know if Marcus Freeman plays golf. But at this, at, he might not be able to play around until April 23rd when the legacy guys get back on in South Bend. For that tournament that you guys have set up, it, it, it's crazy. The only, thing, the only thing he could do now, I mean, he might as well get his pilot license. The most flyer miles he's collecting on these recruiting trips. Oh, you want him to be like that cat, uh, Franklin from Snowball? No, we can talk about that too towards the end of the show. <laughs> hey man, I'm, look, man, Franklin, Franklin is one of the the dopest characters in the history of TV, brother. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they couldn't find him a better lawyer, man. They couldn't find him a better lawyer, but he out here at 24, conquering half the world. That's crazy. It's all good. Shout out to Franklin for the baby on the way. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know he had a girl like that. <laughs> the episode well, you know, popped up. We got you know the backstory. You know when he stole or tried to steal that bookstore from the old couple? Yeah, and they sued him. Uh huh. That was their lawyer. Oh. You gotta go back and watch. Okay, I okay, I, I, I remember. Okay, I, I remember. Okay. I peeped okay. it. <laughs> so it's a connection there, and I wonder because there's something shady about her, dude. I just it don't, is. I don't get a good vibe about her right now. It's shady because she just popped into the scene talking about being serious and having a baby and all this yeah. stuff. And she sued him before. And she sued him before. I I don't get good vibes from her, man. Yeah, why she want to do business so bad after she sued him? That's like the NFL letting Colin Kaepernick come back after he won suing him. And you locked in with the seed. You locked in. Man, something crazy going to happen. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to that. Yeah, I think something crazy is going to happen, too. The second thing is this establishment of this legacy program. Man, I tell, I say it all the time. I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. Notre Dame is the best all-around package when you talk about campus, history, legacy, four for 40, and winning football games. Doesn't get better than Notre Dame. And if you happen to be the head coach 
And that's the package you're walking in the living rooms with to meet with parents and a young man. That's the package you want to have in your back back pocket. It's nothing better than that. And the it's fact, nothing better than that. The fact he's recognized that. The fact that he says, I want the players, the players, former and current, to be the face of the program. I just want to coach and recruit. I don't want to be the face of the program. I don't want to be out front. Speaks volumes. Because now you're taking advantage of everything in the that is Notre Dame and the uniqueness of your Notre Dame. You have you can't fear the uniqueness of Notre Dame as a head coach. You have to be willing to believe in it and take advantage of it. Because no one else has that. It's almost like being the Floyd Mayweather of college football, man. Nobody else has that style. Nobody else can win with that style. The peekaboo over the shoulder. Nobody else has that in college football. And as much as everybody, now this is dope. As much as everybody might want you to come out of that style, as much as they might call you a scaredy cat, a chump, as much as they say you run because they just want to see you stand in front of somebody and brawl, at the end of the day, you get to stand there and say you TBE. The best to ever do it. Because you the best to ever do it. The best to ever do it. And that's what Notre Dame has to do. Do it your way and stand there and let people know that you're the TBE. You're the best that you're the best football program to ever do it. And he's establishing that. And the legacy program is just another example of how he's going about that. And he's carrying the attitude of that. I think yeah. there's one thing to carry arrogance when you're a Notre Dame head coach. There's nothing to carry attitude of what Notre Dame embodies. And Marcus Freeman is letting you know he's coming for the best to be the best program. And it's, and it's only one way to do that, and that's by taking over. And last but not least, this right here was the number one thing, in my opinion, that he got right. did a good job at, you know, getting into some 10 personnel, which they really hadn't shown much all year. And, and it was good. And, and they made some good second-half adjustments offensively and defensively. Um to stop what we we're doing offensively and, and to kind of exploit some things defensively. Um, so they did a good job and, and you got to give them credit where credit's due. Uh, but for me, obviously, as the leader um, of this program, it's, it's again, it's a pit in your stomach, as I told the group a minute ago, that you want to bottle it up and you want to remember how this feels. And the honeymoon stage is over, right? It, the whole, hey, new head coach, it's a great story no. It's about having a great product and it's about having a great team. And so we have to make sure that it's about developing this team for next year, right? This year's over. So everything we do from now moving forward is going to be development and making sure that we're prepared to have success. That's it. That's when I said, yep, we got us one. We got us one. Taking so, ownership. Taking ownership. Yeah. It's on me. It's on That's me. it. This is the dividing line right here. That's right. Like if we played this game, don't like it, didn't go right, hate the way it went. But guess what? Now starts my time. This is my time. Don't get it twisted. I was just helping out to finish out somebody else's task that they began in Notre Dame. Now, this is the MF era. Right now, from this moment, and I'm letting right. you know what it's about. And it's right here. Standard, there is no look. There is no drop-off. Marcus Freeman is not coming in talking about, well, man, we might win 8-9. We're 
you know, to transition. No, 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 no. No. Players talking national championship. Defensive players talking national championship. Yeah, because we don't even know who the quarterback is. <laughs> we ain't seen a quarterback interview yet. Players talking national championship. Come on, man. Yo, I like your list, though. I like your list. The he stand might get the he stand. That's a veteran move. That's a veteran move. A guy that's done his research. A guy that that listened to people in the building. You know, I know people was like, man, you need to get he stand back. You need, you need to look at he stand profile. You need to go ahead and get him back now. You know that's what though? With everything that Laura Nidas move was important too. Because I don't think people understand. The choppy waters he had to navigate in the last two and a half months. Like, don't get it twisted. It was a lot. Coaches saying they're here, committed, deciding to leave for whatever reason. People playing chess, trying to come at your assistants, really trying to come at your top recruit that can change the game for your first class. That was 5D. That was some 5D chess. 5D chess. It's a lot going on. A lot going on. NFL teams coming after the guy you just hired. And ultimately, having the people next to him that he can trust had to be a real comfortable, really, really comfortable thing for him in order to make the right decisions and move the way he needed to move. So I, I like, I think we came up with a with six really good points. We kind of meshed a couple of them. They were really the same thing, but I like that. Now, before we came on, I would just like to say shout out because there is no way I would have thought that this would have happened. I would have lost the bet. But shout out to the first player right before we came on, literally minutes before we came on, the first player to run a 40-yard dash at the NFL Combine was Jack Cohn. And I want to give Jack Cohn a little bit of credit. <laughs> I didn't think Jack Cohn was going to break, would break five. Oh, okay. See, you trying him now. He, he ran a 4.89. He, okay, but you thought he was going to run something in the five? Man, I thought he was going to be like 5.12, bro. Come on, it's 2022. You got to give guys, <laughs> guys <laughs> out here training for real. I like. bet, hey, I bet you put pads on my bet with a 5.12. I bet that. Yeah, I mean, the chain is so good. You're not going to run no gosh darn fire. I mean, good. <laughs> I know he was fast, but you trying, my guy. I thought he was going to be giving a charity like that cat Rich Eisen, boy. Oh, man, come on. <laughs> now, I'm telling you, 2022, people training, you know. He ain't the fastest. Wait, he trained to run that 4-9? Man, that's, that's straight line speed. You can train that. You can train that. You know, he ain't got nothing else. You can train that. We so, training yeah. for that 4-9, huh? Yeah, they, they pay a lot of money in that. Yeah, uh, you pay all that money to run that 4-9. Yeah, yeah. They got their money's worth, though. Because I bet a lot Ooh. of people felt like this. Oh, you can go ahead and run this 4-1. Oh, hey, you can, you can do something now. Oh, we thought, we thought this. Thank you, LL Nation, for keeping us up to date. Kevin Austin Jr. just ran a 4-3-7, bro. He can't run routes. Yeah. 
I mean, you know, he got that can long. Can we dispel the fact that Notre Dame doesn't have speed and wide receiver do it? Because I swear every receiver that goes to the combine runs fast. They every don't know, they don't know run. how to use it in the game, though. You know, you ain't got no technique and you're not Will Fuller, it's just hard to put that in motion. And we didn't have nobody really throwing it past 50 anyway, so you can't see nobody really stretching out. You know what I mean? I was watching uh, NFL Network all day in preparation for watching the combine, and someone, I forget who it was, called Jack Cone their sleeper at quarterback and said that he has an NFL arm. And I'm like, dude, there's no way you watch Notre Dame tape <laughs> from last season. And you, you know, they're they going to they they give Jack his little credit, man, you know. That cat Jack is hash to hash, bro. In between. <laughs> I mean, they ain't, I mean, you know, he ain't even getting nothing bad said about him. So other than the obvious stuff. So he's really having a, a easy draft process to say the least. <laughs> how much is how much are you paying for that four nine? Because I'm bro, I know if you're training somebody, dude, you you just you'll take the money. All you're doing is training. If they don't, if they can't run, they can't run. There's only so much you can improve somebody that's slow. Man, with Jack, I mean, I'm sure with technique, you can knock down like a couple seconds, a couple, a couple of what? A point, like a you can knock down a point five with your technique. And he was already about like a five two, five one. Well, basically, you, what you're saying is he's really a four nine four, and he knocked it down to a four eight nine. He he knocked it under a five because the training gonna knock it under a, a point five. And then you know his adrenaline going. That's another point three. So if you you do the math on that, he he he's looking right. He's and then he's warmed up. That's another two point point two. You know, so he be all right. Dude, they could have used the sands of time in the hourglass and just flipped it over, bro. <laughs> it's twenty twenty two, man. You'd be surprised at some of these guys. Oh man, coming up in five minutes. Juice, Dexter Williams is going to be joining us right here on Lucky Lefty Podcast. Can't wait to talk to him. Did Juice who? Juice, I've never heard Juice really mentioned. See, the thing is, nobody thinks people from Florida can hoop that are football players. So he probably he's probably good, and we don't we just don't assume so because he's from Florida. And you know what? People in Florida don't think you play football up north. So I now they know we play. They just think we all. Uh, Big and big and uh, from the country, <laughs> Tom, drunk Vigo Tommy Reese failed to use Cone's athleticism, bro. I think Cone failed to use it, he could have ran a lot more than that Fiesta Bowl. Oh man, y'all, Andre Neely, yeah, he definitely didn't play like a 4 3 guy. It's Kevin Austin Jr., he, he didn't. Neither did Miles, neither did Chase, neither did EQ, neither did Yeah, but 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 Chase was always a physical beast though. Yeah, I like, when, when when Chase, I knew Chase would transition to the league. Out of all yeah, he, of the body type. he got the body type and aggressive. Yeah. yeah, I knew Chase, and I think it was Chase reportedly that came back to Pro Day the year uh after his rookie year and was telling reporters, yo, I learned so much about the position 
in training camp that I had never learned at Notre Dame. So, I mean, does NFL man? I mean, I'm just yeah. saying, bro. I mean, Avery Davis still on YouTube, so it's not like much. <laughs> Let's get to some more. Yeah, I agree. Cone will, I think he's going to get drafted on the back end. See, we need, we need to stop with the dependable. <laughs> Why are you still hating on the man, dude? Listen, dependable means like you putting in like a Jameis Winston if he was a backup, get you some wins. Jack Cone is a backup in the NFL that's going to get a glorious chance to survive on some rosters. Gonna make a lot of money. Um, he's gonna make a lot of money. You probably have you'll probably me and you combine probably have the same stats he will in his tenure in the league, you know. But dependable, let's let's not go that far. Everybody, I see you asking me personally. I want Kyle Hamilton to slip so the cowboys can trade up and get him. Oh, that'd be nice. And, and pairing with Mika Parsons, that's my personal preference. I do not want him to go to the anybody in the NFC East. Giants, yeah. Eagles, none of that. If he goes to I definitely don't want if he's gonna be in New York, please don't let it be the Jets. Please. <sighs> please, I don't want him going to Jacksonville. That's what sucks about being a good player, man. You end up in bad situations more than likely. Like send send Aiden Hutchinson to Jacksonville. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let him go get exposed a little bit. Send him. Yeah, send let him. him yeah, let these guys. <laughs> let him go get exposed a little bit. Send him to Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hutchinson first round of Jacksonville. That's uh, New York. See either, either New York team and Jets or the Giants. He should be a marquee player. Oh, dude. I have it. I'm recording. I'm actually recording this too, man. I can't wait to go back and watch that 40, dude, because Kevin Austin runs like really wide. His arms are out like this, and he's like robotic. So it'll be interesting, man, to see. It'll be very interesting to see. Yeah, but guys like that, you get him to run a straight line, tuck his elbows, he's going to fly just because he got the body for it. Yeah, Lucky Lefty Podcast, man. As always, we're brought to you and featuring the Nora Whiskey. Go to norwhiskey.com. It's the premium American whiskey, norwhiskey.com. We'd like to bring in a special guest to continue to celebrate overtime Malik, the original Lucky Lefty's birthday, his birthday week. And we bring in former Notre Dame running back Dexter Williams to the Lucky Lefty Podcast. Dex, how you feeling, man? Yo. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How y'all guys doing? Happy man. birthday to my boy Malik. Man, you already know the vibes, man. What's up, man? I'm doing good, doing good. I, I was actually getting my feet done. My girl, she was telling my feet was uh, looking a little rough, so she was like, man, get your feet done. But I'm finishing up, and, you know, I'm excited about this podcast, and I'm excited to uh, get into this conversation with you guys. Man, hell yeah. First of all, your feet definitely needed. If anybody, your girl's doing it justice, <laughs> your feet probably the worst feet I've ever seen. But, you know, that's how you know you got the right one. That's how you got the right yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly right. You're right. <laughs> so how do, how do you get them done? You get, like, the hot wax? You like the hot wax? 
Yeah, you got to get the hot wax. You got to get the hot wax and the hot stone. You got to. Oh, I feel like, poor treatment. Yeah, you got to get, you got to treat the feet, the feet good because you got to realize we're on our feet all day, 24-7, it feel like. So, got to take care of your feet. That's right. What's the best part? Now, this is crazy because maybe I'm different, bro. What's the best part of the pedicure? Man, I got to say the hot wax part, man. I feel okay. like that's just, that just does it. It gets the feet to relax. I mean, it feels good. Get all that dirt, all the germs off the feet. <laughs> it's just like, it's like a, a renewal. That's what it's like. Like, you feel me? It's like getting a brand new car, man. See, that's why I thought is when they shave the bottom of the things and you see all the sparks flying and stuff. No, that's when you really get to the, the nitty gritty, you know. Real talk, that's my that's my favorite part, bro. Mm -hmm. When they get the paddle right before they put the wax on, they get the dead skin off. Man, when you get done with that, mm -hmm. get man, you feel like you got two new feet. Yeah, you gotta exactly. play it cool and not laugh too loud though, because you're gonna come off the wrong way. <laughs> so stupid, man. <laughs> so stupid, lucky man. Crazy, fool, man. <laughs> we got the former Notre Dame running back Dexter Williams on with us. So let's just talk about how things are going with you professionally, and uh, how you holding up health wise. I'm actually doing good. I'm very healthy right now. Um, I did a lot of bouncing around uh, this year. I was actually cut from the uh, Green Bay Packers. Um, I was with the Giants for a little bit, and then I went to the Browns, then I went back to the Giants, and then I was with Miami Dolphins for a month, and then I actually finished the season off with the Browns. So I'm going to be doing this year with the Browns. And, you know, um, I feel like the Browns is, is going to be a great opportunity. It's a, it's a deep running back room as of now, but we know who knows how that's going to play out. And, you know, I never run from competition. I'm ready for it, and um, I, I just want to get out there and compete with those guys and just have fun and just do what we can do to win and just get that – just get the Browns organization back to uh, where it needs to be. And then right now we're just in that growing stage. So um, I can tell it's going to be big things, and I'm just a part of uh, – I'm just happy to just be a part of the organization right now. That's a pretty dramatic carousel you were on, my brother. The drama in Green Bay. You hit yeah. the drama in Miami. Yeah, <laughs> you hit the drama in Cleveland. Went to New York. Good. Right. What was the moving like for you? You know, as a professional football player, now that moving is almost like next day, but you really across the country, all types of places. Oh yeah, it was next day. So like as soon as I got cut from Green Bay, it wasn't um it's was two days. I thought it was actually the end of the world once I got cut. I was like, man, it's over for me. <laughs> and then two days, two days, the next in about two days, I was in Green Bay. I remember like yesterday, Um, it was one o'clock and I was talking to my mom and I was just like, man, I'm getting a call from New York and I pick it up. The Giants like, okay, uh, Dex, we're going to bring you in. Uh, we want to sign you. Uh, you got to get on the flight at 3.30. Uh, are you able to make the flight? Tell us where you're at. Make sure you pack a bag, do what you got to do. And, uh, we're going to bring you in. You got a physical tomorrow morning at seven o'clock. And I was like, huh? Next thing you know, I was, I packed me a bag so fast. I was at the airport and I was on the flight. And we, I left everything, my house, everything that was in my house, my car, everything was left in uh, Green Bay. So while I was in New York, I'm trying to figure out how to get my stuff from Green Bay to New York. So my mom and my best friend, uh, they uh, helped me out. They get the whole house situated. 
get everything in storage. And then one of my friends, he brings a lot of my stuff to New York. So as soon as he brings my stuff to New York, I get cut from New York. So now <laughs> so my stuff is in New York. And I told myself from now on, I won't travel with as much stuff because you never know at the end of the day, it's a business. And that's yeah. what my, that was my side of, uh, I was getting that wake up call of that, uh, just that business side, just jumping around, just going through that journey. And it, at the end of the day, it was all fun. Like, um, it was hard just getting cut, but at the end of the day, just giving you all wherever you're at. It was fun to just being around new people, getting a chance to see those new organizations and see how they're run and get a chance to compare them to all the other different teams. You get to see the difference and, and why teams are uh, doing the things they're doing out there on the field. So um, it was it was it was crazy, like the whole living situation. And then once that happened um, at New York, I had to, I got cut from New York. I had to bring all my stuff down to Florida. So me and my friend, my best friend again, uh, Squid, he goes by the name of Squid, one of my best friends. I love him, my boy. If he if he's watching, I'm pretty sure he's watching. He, he normally tunes into everything. So um, basically uh, I was down, I was down there. Um, I was on my way from uh, New York to uh, Florida and I had to bring all my stuff from New York to Florida. So I drove it down from New York all the way to Florida. It's a 17 hour trip, but it was actually a fun trip. I had my son with me. And so we got a chance to uh, sightsee. So we actually made it pretty fun. So it was kind of cool. We stopped in like maybe, we stopped at the, uh, uh, I believe it's the uh, south of the border in South Carolina, North Carolina, I believe, some something over there. We stopped and they got a chance to see that. It was like a ghost town, but it was actually pretty cool just to go there. And we just stopped in Atlanta, stopped in a couple other different places, Tallahassee, just seeing family on the way. And it was just a pretty cool experience. Yeah, you really worldwide. I mean, that's especially when it's all come back to doing football. It's like your football tour. But what was yeah. that? What was the locker room like? You going from locker room to locker room, you really in deep. With different guys, I mean, you in the NFL, so you seeing stars yeah. on every team. You like, damn, like, what was that like? Gelling with different locker rooms during that transition. Um, I could say like, so when I was at Green Bay, Green Bay was like maybe the team I was on that had the most vets out of all of those teams I went to. So you know, they had Aaron Rodgers. Um, when I got there, they had Jimmy Graham. They had uh, Mercedes Lewis. I, I believe he's still there. They had a lot of those guys and um. A lot of those guys uh, helped bring a lot of the younger guys uh, along because they already knew the system. They've been in the game for 10, 12, 13 years plus and, um, and counting. And um, so it was just like, it was an easy transition because you knew we had great leaders. And then when I was say when I was at the other team, it was just like younger teams. So it was just like guys who was just like maybe five years in the league, maybe two, three years, just like a lot of younger teams. So it was just really, Everybody's just really just getting out there and just trying to figure things that everyone is just still figuring things out. And um, so it was just kind of easy with the vets because they knew the, they knew everything and it was just they they was uh, open arms and they took a lot of the guys in. And that's why you can tell like Green Bay was doing a lot of winning and it was kind of hard at New York because just like the whole situation, a lot of guys being hurt. So um, it's just like it's just the way the cards fall in this game of football. Lucky Lefty Podcast. We have Dexter Williams on. What is talking about his career right now? Brought to you by Nora Whiskey at norawhiskey.com, the premium American whiskey at norawhiskey.com. You talk about 
you know, that NFL carousel you were on, I want to ask you about, you went through some tough times in Notre Dame, adjusting, coming up, being a Florida guy, coming up to the cold, stepping into Notre Dame, stepping into competition with that running back room. But you found your way, and you established mm-hmm. yourself as one of the best running backs to ever come through South Bend. How did that entire experience prepare you for what you're currently going through in the NFL? Um, I feel like it prepared me is the best way because, like, just being at Notre Dame, like, I didn't come in that guy. Like, I had to work for my spot, like, and it was just, like, I didn't have that much time, I felt like. And still in the NFL, just, like, at any given time, um, it's just, like, I had to be ready. And I learned that at Notre Dame just because I wasn't playing at any given time, a guy can go down. At any given time, a coach can just call you. And just next thing you know, you can be in the game. And I just knew, like, at any given time at Notre Dame, they take full advantage of my opportunity. So I knew every time I got a chance to take the field, I wanted people to remember my name. And I feel like I still carry that from Notre Dame with me now. Um, the same work ethic, the same uh, the knowledge that I gained at Notre Dame, the knowledge that I'm gaining from the Jets and the NFL. I try to just take a lot of different things and uh, apply it to my game and apply it in a classroom with football. So, um, yeah. How much more have you thought about the money now that you're in the business and realizing that it's just more than, you know, getting first downs? Have you been more uh, thoughtful of how you move in the NFL with the business and trying to, you know, make money as you transition in team to team? Yeah, you definitely have to – Think about the money side of uh, football because now it's a business, so you have to be smart with your money. You also, um, like me, um, my situation, like my family, I'm a, a very family-oriented guy, so a lot of things I try to do, I try to uh, want to take care of my family and try to do a lot of things for my family. So everything I really try to do is just, you just got to really be smart about the way you use your money because at the end of the day, it's a lot of money and a lot of guys in the NFL are young. And if you don't learn a lot of these things that are, early age or like go through some of these experiences with money that a lot of guys maybe don't have or come from money. Um, you have to learn from those experiences in, in order to grow. Because at the end of the day, this is fast money and then you're getting it at a young age and you still have 50 plus years ahead of, ahead of you if God gives us those years, you feel me? So it's like, um, you gotta be smart and just continue to think about the years, the years later on in life and life after football. So, man, I think you're in Cleveland. You, you teamed up with Sheldon, right? Because isn't Sheldon in Cleveland? Yeah. Yeah, Sheldon's in Cleveland. Yeah, Sheldon's Big in Cleveland. Big Yeah. And the Wusu. Yeah, and Wusu. Wusu's in Cleveland, too. Yeah. So, Wusu, man, he balled out last year, first year. But I want to go back for a second. You stood on the sideline and watched number 12 up in Green Bay. Just like – how good is that dude? Forget watching on TV, just like seeing him every day in practice. Man, I'm gonna tell you right now. So I'm gonna just tell you a little quick story. This is uh this is my uh my first time getting in the huddle with 12. And um uh, I think um I think it was a joint practice, I believe. I'm not sure. But uh, if not, if it wasn't a joint practice, it's just a regular practice. So um, they called me in. There was uh, a lot of guys were hurt in practice that week. I believe Aaron Jones was down, Jamal was down. Um, a lot of guys were down, and I had to step up. I took the majority of the reps during uh, the practice that whole day. So it was a uh, high workload for me. 
So A-Rod, he called me in the huddle. He was like, look, man, um, Coach Carter played. And he kind of audible to play. He told me to run an angle route. And he was like, man, once you run this angle route, I want you to turn around and you're going to catch this ball. As soon as you catch this ball, get vertical. And I promise you're going to be wide open. And all you got to do is just score. I don't know how this man seen all this happen before the play started, but exactly exactly how he drew up the play, exactly how he called it, that's exactly how he had to. I ran the route exactly how he wanted me to. Got my eyes around, caught the ball, and I was wide open. It was to the point I was running with the ball. I didn't even think. I wasn't even worried about scoring. I was like, how in the world did he know this? Like, how did he know I was going to be wide open and I was going to score? Like, it was just unbelievable. Like, everybody was clapping me and fluffing me on my head. Like, uh, and I just couldn't get it across my mind. I wasn't even excited about, like, what I had just did. I was just, like, amazed at, like, the way that he knew the game and how slow the game was to him, it was just like unbelievable. And I'm you guys see it every every day or Sunday, but the way he comes to practice each and every week is just unbelievable. Like it's like he barely makes mistakes. And it's crazy because you know it's something that we strive, we strive every day to be perfect. And this is a guy that comes to work like every day he's striving for that. He wants to be the best guy down the field. So the way he comes to work is just unbelievable. And it's just like he wants to see everybody around him get better. And he better everyone around him. So, A-Rod, yeah, he's that guy. You also got Matt LaFleur there. And I know he was at yeah. Notre Dame. There when he was there? Uh, no, he actually <laughs> left. He actually left once I came in. Yeah, he left once I came in. Yep. Okay. But even though, and, and, and having EQ there, I mean, EQ's been able to stick around. But what was that? relationship like with Matt LaFleur having some Notre Dame ties did y'all talk about it or he was so focused on like the Green Bay thing he was so focused on the Green Bay thing like he mentioned it one time he was like yeah that's just like it's good uh we have some you and the Notre Dame boys but it was just like only a one-time thing because he was just coming in it was just like the main goal was just to get Green Bay up and running so that yeah. was his main focus and um yeah, but um he always mentioned us Notre Dame guys and like he always kept us in tune with things. And, uh, he loves the Notre Dame guys, that's for sure. So let's talk about this, man. The Marcus Freeman, a new head coach. It's a lot of excitement around the program, Dex. A lot of excitement around the program. He recently started the legacy program in connection with former players and invite former players to be back involved with the program and to uh, come to the Blue and Gold game. It's an entire week of events leading up to the game. Uh, are you going to get a chance to get back to South Bend and participate? Oh, yeah. I'm definitely planning on catching the game this year. I got to. I've been wanting to get back for a little while, but this thing's been so tough and just been busy and just trying to do a lot. But, yeah, this year I'm definitely coming back to the game. I got to get back. I missed it just being in that stadium, feeling that energy. Being around the players and now, like with this whole new coaching stuff, I'm I'm rooting for these guys. And I want to see them do great, and I want to be able to get a chance to go back and uh just continue to motivate those guys and just continue to keep winning. Yo, with the relationship I have with this man right here, man, I've been blessed to build relationships and speak with a lot of your former teammates and a lot of guys that played for Notre Dame over the last couple of months. And I, man, I've told Malik you know, off the record, like, yo, the brotherhood between you guys, and you guys don't even see each other. Like, everybody spread out in the NFL, going on in business mm -hmm. and doing other things, you know, having families and living life. 
but the brotherhood between you guys is absolutely amazing and the loyalty you show to the school man do you know how many times i've asked players about certain situations and they just <laughs> refuse to put notre dame in a negative light in any way shape or form like no i'm not doing it like i might feel this way i might have an opinion <laughs> but i'm not doing it and i tell malik all the time like yo i tip my cap because this has to be one of the strongest bonds from a program that I've ever seen. Yeah, it's uh, Notre Dame is a special place. Like, I feel like it's different from a lot of schools because, like, say, like a, a lot of the Florida schools, you have a lot of guys from that area. Um, you have a lot of guys from Florida, like at Oklahoma. You'll have a certain lot of guys from that state on every team, but Notre Dame is just kind of different. We didn't really have a lot of guys from Indiana. Like it was guys from California, guys from Chicago, surrounding areas, but it was really guys from like all over the place. We got guys from Florida, guys like, and we all were coming together like for one common goal. And that's the same thing that guys are doing on the, at every other team, but it just like, it wasn't really like a lot of guys from Indiana. And that was one thing that stood out. And it was just like, we really are coming from all over the country. We got guys coming from overseas and stuff to play on our team and stuff. So it's just like, it was, it was unbelievable. So let's go ahead, Lee. Yeah, I do want to ask, you know, being at Notre Dame and knowing how you were trying to get to where you are today, what is it that you learned that you feel like you was where you was then and then how you are now, or what would you tell yourself? Um, it was, uh, so uh, I'm trying to figure out. That's a, that's a great question. I'm trying to figure out how can I answer that. But um, I would say, like, how things were then. I did a lot of growing up at Notre Dame. It was just like that was my – I feel like that was my stepping stone of just like maturity, that maturity stage of just being an adult. Um, just going through all the things that I went through, the good and bad at Notre Dame, it just really helped prepare me for the things later on in life. Like I sit back and tell myself and my parents every day, I was like, man, I'm so appreciative of going there because just like the things that I went through, the things that I faced and the things that I accomplished there, it just really helped me progress so much in life right now and um just the people that I met there the connections and the people that I met outside of football um it was just it was just unbelievable it just helped me so far uh, it just helped me along the way so Malik he's gonna this is gonna be difficult for him because we've asked <laughs> everybody else the same question this is gonna be tough for Dex okay okay you gotta fill in the all blank right. all right fill in the blank the most talented team I played on in Notre Dame was in the year of. Dex is on some good teams. I was on some good teams. I can definitely say my freshman year or my senior year, man. That's the year my freshman year and my senior year. Yeah, I know you're yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, that's tough. Yeah, yeah. I know I didn't play a lot my freshman year, but it was just, man, that team was unbelievable. You know, you got Will, you got Malik at quarterback, you got Jalen Smith, you got uh, you can just Quentin, uh, Quentin Nelson, you can just Ronnie Stanley, like these G are all like, Josh, CJ. Yeah, it was just you can just keep going down the line, down the line. Yeah, you see, like that too, team though. was so stacked. Yeah, and then the same. Thing, was um, tough. 
Say that again. Your senior year was tough. It was so Miles, EQ, yeah. you, Josh, Tayvon, Tay, Niles. Yeah. yeah, the squad. Yeah, a lot of guys. Yeah, we had a lot of guys. So yeah, um, out of those two teams, man, it's just, it, that's it. It's kind of tough. It's kind of hard to choose. It's kind of hard to choose. So either my freshman year or my senior year in college. So on the same breath to stick with your senior year, you go through what you go through. You come back midway through the season. You had two impressive runs. I guess it was funny because I'm going to ask you what was like your favorite moment. And I think most people will probably choose the touchdown run at Virginia Tech. Uh-huh. But that first carry of that season against Stanford, bro, you so do what you did after everything you went through to come on the field for the first snap of the season mm-hmm. and take it to the house. That, that's pretty incredible. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, uh, man. I, that was actually that was my favorite touchdown of that year because it, it really started all the way back in January because I knew about the suspension. Way, I knew about it way back in January, and it was just like. I had to make a decision um, if I was going to let it tear me down because it was my senior year or I can make the best of it and make the best of my opportunities and continue to just look forward. So once I had got the, uh, once I had found I was going to be suspended uh, in June or well, that following season, first four game, I told my teammates, I let the team know it like that next day. I let the whole team know the next day what the situation was. I told them, but um, from that day on, I had told everybody on that team. I was like, my first play back, I'm going, I'm, I'm going for six. Like, don't, no questions at. Like, I'm going to score the first touchdown. Like, when I come back, like my first play, I'm going to score. So like that, from January on to like August, like camp going into that game, Stanford, I was preparing, like working my ass off. Excuse my language, but I was working my ass off, and I was just something. I just had to do for my team because I felt like I owed my team because of my mistakes. And it wasn't just me. I wasn't down on myself. I was already hard on myself, but I felt like I really owed my team. So just to come out and just to have them blocking for me, my O-line, making the blocks and uh, the receivers blocking down the field, me just being able to have the ability to finish that play, it was just incredible. It was an incredible drive. And um, it was just a moment I'm going to never forget. So – your most frustrating loss at Notre Dame was Miami had to be. Oh, oh Miami and Clemson, Miami and Clemson, Miami and Clemson, Miami. My uh, where was my? Do you think? Let me, let me ask a tough question. Were you guys ready to play that game against Miami on the road? Because I mean, you all were the better team. Oh, uh, yeah, we're definitely with a better team. But I, I kind of like, man, uh, just going into that game, me, me, myself, speaking for me personally, I was ready. I was ready. Um, I was I was definitely Mr. Ray because it's just like something about coming home and playing in my hometown. And then I had a lot of friends on that team. And then I was committed to Miami. And that whole week I was getting trash talk on Twitter trash talk on just everything. <laughs> I was getting text messages from random phone numbers and everything. So I took I was taking this game very personally. 
But um, when we were coming into the game, it was just like it was a whole different environment that I felt like the guys wasn't used to. It's just like a different, it's a whole different ball game. And for like when we were coming into the game, they actually bust out like four, 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 uh, four of our uh, bus windows. And it and it was kind of shaking. They were shaking our bus before we even got out. We couldn't even get off the bus. They were shaking some beer bottles, bust out four, four of the windows on the bus. And it was just so, it was so crazy. So it's just I think it kind of shook a lot of the guys, but yeah, but it was it was a game I was ready for. I wish I could have played more, but hey, we just had a pause for it. What was that season like? Because right after that game, or no, in the middle of that game is when we saw the switch from Brandon to Ian. As much talent as Brandon had, man, did was it just an inability to build the offense properly around him? To emphasize his skills and his gifts, and trying to put him, you know, a square into a, a circle hole, or what was it? Just that it never got to the point where the offense was able to take that next step. Like you guys, you can mark down Notre Dame's offense with this offensive line of Brandon Winbush and the special guys, thirty-five points on average. Mm-hmm. But you had the potential from a talent standpoint to average forty. 45. Mm-hmm. What held that offense under Brandon back, in your opinion? Um, I'm not, I really don't know because at the end of the day, um, quarterback, he's going to run the offense the way he wants to run. I felt like, um, just him, uh, just Brandon, I just think it was just like more and more mental from. I think it was just more mental from, and it wasn't like because at the end of the day, Brandon makes plays. And that's that speaks for itself. Like we've seen the incredible plays he's made throwing the ball and running the ball. But I just think it was just sometimes it was just more mental. Like um we all know like it's sometimes if you can get in your whole head, like you can get in your own head, it can change the whole game. So um I, I felt like sometimes it could be mental because at the end of the day he has the ability. He has the coaches to put him in a great opportunity. And he's had amazing games that uh at Notre Dame. So um at some time I just felt like that was just the problem. Yeah. I meant to say a square peg into a round hole. I said a circle hole. That's like <laughs> Lucky Lefty Podcast. Dexter Williams joining us right here. So I don't know if you know this. Let me ask you this question. Can you who? Oh no man, I'm not a who. I'm not you a know what? Yeah, That's I'm not a who so that sets up everything else. Cause you know, everybody on the squad from like 2012 to like 2018, everybody swears they can hoop. And I'm oh, yeah, like, some hoopers. okay, now who's the, best, who's the best hooper on the squad in your opinion? Give me your top three. Mm, top three? Okay, Malik can hoop. I gotta, I gotta put Malik in there. Malik can hoop. I give Malik that. Malik can hoop. And then big guy, I gotta go with Quentin and McGlinchey. Them guys can who uh, I'm trying to tell you, like, don't be shocked. Don't do not <laughs> them guys with, yeah, Quentin or McGlinchey can who. Yeah. And yeah. then um to be honest, I might I might have to go with Brandon. Brandon can hoop as well. He can hoop a little bit. He got yeah, he got Brandon. Like... Yeah, but um 
Or if not Brandon, Tavon. Tavon can actually hoop. Tavon Coney. He can hoop a little bit too as well. I don't yeah, think I he still got it, bro. Yeah, he can hoop a little bit. And also Chase. We all know Chase can hoop. Yeah, Chase can hoop. Yeah. He hoop like a Canadian though, so. <laughs> what does that mean? He real fundamental? That's what you're trying to say? Yeah, you know, he got the Canadian Steve Nash basketball, you know. Mm-hmm. So, the Irish Players Club just launched on March 1st. Yeah. Notre Dame players, they launched the NFT website. 78% of the proceeds go to the current players. It's Notre Dame players being creative, creating their own opportunity to take advantage of their image and likeness. And it's attracting the attention of recruits in the 2023 class and 2024 class. In your opinion, you know, you think it's a really good idea and we want to plug that. Make sure you go to irishplayersclub.com and check out and get into the NFTs and purchase NFTs for all the prizes and opportunities that they have available to you. What's your opinion on that and the move that's being made by the Notre Dame players? Man, I feel like this is a uh, great opportunity for the Notre Dame players. And I feel like this is a great idea as well because um just say like for me, like for this is like um I didn't um I didn't get a chance. Like when I was coming to those games when I was at Notre Dame, um a lot of my family didn't come to those games. So just with me and like uh, if I had the opportunity just to have that little extra money, I would have my family at the games, um, or just sometimes like the food just getting groceries at Notre Dame, like uh, just being up there because we didn't get like uh monthly checks and stuff like that. I had the fast food, so it was just only I have uh, a little a little money uh every semester, and I had to make it I had to make it last and do what I had to do with it. So uh, just having that money, I feel like it creates so many opportunities. It can help guys out in a lot of ways, and also. Uh, Guys won't have to worry about money or just worry about those little things. They can focus on football. Just that's just some another way that's uh money is just coming in for an athlete and they can use it however they want to use it. Because at the end of the day, um I feel like it's just going to create opportunities and also uh this is going to teach them how to lose money right now because maybe some of you guys are not familiar with this, so they'll be able to uh make these mistakes early and learn from them. So I feel like it's a, it's a great idea. It's an idea that can help uh, these players and help any any needs that they have. Have you gotten into the NFT space and all that digital oh, yeah. currency stuff a lot? Yeah, I'm actually, uh, I'm actually, uh, I actually have one of the NFT, NFT the Notre Dame uh, NFT. But okay. I haven't really gotten into the whole NFT digital thing. Um, still learning about it still a guy who's still trying to figure it out it's all like weird and stuff yeah but I, I understand the, the little basics of it but um it's something i want to get into because i feel like it's a smart idea and there's money in it but also it's something that's kind of like you know i'm on edge about because it's not real yeah and uh, any day like you never know like with all these hackers and stuff anything can just be gone or just you never know <laughs> Straight up. Now, I do want to ask also about uh, have you? I know you listened to that new Yak album. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, where does yeah. the Yak album rank? Because I think this is the top three right now. He's been putting up fire ever since the beginning. 
Oh yeah, this number one for sure. Number one for sure. <laughs> number one for sure. I mean, back for everything, he got every 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 one is a playthrough. To be honest, every one, every one, every one is a playthrough. My favorite song on the album is either Omega or um, Elite Division. Uh, song, uh, Elite Division. Yeah, yeah, I like them all. I yeah. like. Them. Take you back. I even get singing on that one. Yeah, the take you what? Take you back and have you singing your heart out. <laughs> have you thinking about everybody in the past? <laughs> hey, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> For those of us in the chat that don't know, he's talking about that dude, Kodak Black. So being a Florida boy, let's talk about it because you know we started day early. Usually Fridays are for the Culture Friday on okay. Lucky Lucky Podcast. Give me your top three for Florida to rep Florida. If I gave you the top three artists to put in a time capsule to explain to somebody 50 years from now the importance of Florida, South Florida specifically, and hip hop. Give me the three albums or three artists you will put in that time capsule. You said of South Florida? So just, just Florida, Florida period. period. Florida, Florida period. period. He Orlando, so he got he like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah Florida yeah, period. Yeah, yeah. So I you gotta put Kodak, you gotta put Kodak Black right now. You got to, got to. Because he's holding it down right now. And then I'm gonna go for my area. Uh for my area, my boy Glock now. He, yeah, he he tough, he tough. Um, and then uh, I I say uh, third, uh, I'm gonna probably have to go with Hot Boy. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with mm, 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 mm. uh Who can I think of? I thought Ross would at least get a mention. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was thinking about I was thinking about Ross because you know I, I mess with the Ross. Ross my motivation now. <laughs> it's kind of tough, but it, but I'm trying to you know I'm trying to stay around my area. Right, right, I'm trying, right, I'm trying right. to show some because you know down south they be getting a lot of love now. Yeah. They get so much love, so I had to throw Kodak in and I give them a little love right there. But I'm gonna bring it back to Central Florida, so I'm probably gonna go Glock Nine and Hot Boy for two and three. All right, I can take that. Now, what's the love like now that you made it to the league? You made it from out the tundra, frozen tundra out of South Bend. What's the love like now? You an NFL running back for a Florida boy? Man, it's a lot of love, man. I can't complain. Like it's like a dream come true. Like everywhere I go, it's just like, man, you Dexter Williams, you in the NFL. Like, man, it's crazy. It's like, it's like I'm still that 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 same guy that grew up in his. A small neighborhood in Orla Vista who just had a smaller dream and made it happen by the by you know by the blessings and by the people who helped me along the way. And just to see like kids, just kids' eyes just get big when they see me, or just even grown people at that, it's just like man, it's just kind of crazy. And it's just be like people coming to me like, I seen you from somewhere. Well, I see you been on TV. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They were like, "What you do? You play football?" They were like, "That's why I seen you from." So, man, it's just—it's a lot of love, and it's just—it's a blessing, man. It's a blessing. 
Now, do you get a chance to keep up with the running? Because I feel like the Notre Dame running backs is a special group. I mean, you're in the league, Josh in the league, Kyron's going to the league. Uh, you got guys all over, CJ. So what's that relationship like with those guys, especially the running backs in Notre Dame? Do you guys stay in touch, even with even with uh, Coach Denson? Oh yeah, um, me me and Josh, we still talk. Uh, I talk to Kyron a lot. Um, I still stay in contact with CJ a little bit. Me and CJ Prostice we hit each other up every now and then. Um, Even Tony Jones, I forgot Tony yeah, Jones in the league right Jones, now. Yeah, Tony Smart. Jones. Yeah, Tony Jones and uh, yeah, Tony Jones. He he had a pretty good season too. He was holding it down over there at the same. Me yeah. and Tony still hit each other up. Uh, a lot of guys, um, I'm still in group chats with a lot of those guys from my, my freshman year all the way up to my senior year. So a lot of us really stay in contact. Um, in that running back room, I feel like we were just a tight-knit group. Even the ones that left Notre Dame, um, I still stay in contact with those, with them guys. So, uh, yeah, that was, it's been a special, uh, pretty, uh, it's been a special amount of groups and the groups that continue to come through there. I try to uh at least uh get get a chance to like to talk to those guys too because i just want to uh keep that energy flowing keep that that positive energy flowing through that running back room at notre dame because at the end of the day we made it. i just still want that legacy to continue flowing throughout that room because uh whatever guys i just whatever guys they get to go in that running back room i want them to be able to look at that wall or look at the guys that they can't do them but like, oh, yeah i want to be like this guy i want to be better better than this guy so it's high. It's, it's it's some high standards in that room, but at the end of the day, um, you live up to those standards. Hey, it's it's worth it at Notre Dame, man. It's yeah, you it. definitely get to the league if you're running yeah, back. You definitely, yeah, you <laughs> you're going to the league. That's for sure. Yo, I told Dex. I told Malik. I went to cover the press conference about a month ago, and mm -hmm. uh, it was my first time coming in for the for the media, and they let me in at the gate, uh, first gate, and I look, and I can see the field. And I'm like, yo, I started getting this feeling over me, right? And I said to myself, man, I wonder if they'll arrest me if I just take off and run down this tunnel just to get on the field. Because I'm looking down the tunnel like, yo, do you know how many players have ran down this tunnel? And I just started feeling like the spec dude, just how unique and special it is to be on that campus. Like for you, when you first walked on that campus, man, and just explain how special it is to be in South Bend and be on that campus. It's almost like being on a movie set. And they actually shot a movie there, but it's like you feel like you're on a movie set. Yeah. So the first time I actually seen the campus is the movie. And then um, I got a chance to go up there. Uh, I believe I, I believe I went up there before my unofficial. I went to Notre Dame for my unofficial. And it was just like you said, it was different. It was a different energy. It was a different vibe. Um, it was it was just it was so different from a lot of these other schools. It's just like with the dorm rooms. Um, it's just a lot of those guys that was in those just to not besides the football team. The people that you meet inside those dorm rooms is just like great people, great connections. And then it's just like outside, it's just like the grotto. That was a place I spent a lot of my time of doing a lot of prayers there. It's just like those little special places that you can find and just enjoy your time at Notre Dame. I feel like that's what makes it special. Um, Touchdown Jesus, just seeing that every day, just knowing like, yeah, I'm trying to get in the end zone, yeah, throw that 
I'm trying to see Jesus in that end zone. So it was just a lot of those little things, um, just to walk going to that stadium, just seeing all the, the fans out there pulling up to the stadium. It was just like amazing just seeing all those fans out there and just the support that they get just all over. And then just being on TV every weekend, the only team that you know that's going to be on TV every weekend, it's like incredible. Like, that's why I didn't have no problem going to nothing. I knew my family was going to see me play. So it was just like little things like that was just so special. Then the education, the 4 for 40, that's what sold it for me. Because I knew football, it can be gone in a matter of seconds. You can have a knee, you can have anything, heart, knee. Just any little thing can stop you from playing this game of football. It's a high impact sport. So I was big on my education. My mom was a teacher, and I was just like, I got to get my degree once before I leave here. So uh, we all know that degree holds weight at Notre Dame. So just those little things just that meant a lot. That's why I chose Notre Dame. Well, man, we thank you for joining us on the Lucky Lefty Podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you on. One more question. One more question. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, okay. What's your favorite jersey now that you got a collection of different jerseys? What's your favorite jersey you got? Ooh, favorite jersey. Favorite jersey. You know, I got to go with one of the Shamrocks. Um, okay. I got to go now, this with one of the This could be league. This could be college. This could be little league. You got a lot of jerseys in your life. But mm-hmm. through your life, which ones were you going with? Through my life, I'm, I, I ain't gonna lie, I'm gonna pick a show. I'm, I gotta go with, I either gotta go with the all green jerseys we wore my freshman year. Oh, uh, that was Those jerseys, those was tough. I felt like a super, I felt like a Power Ranger. Yeah. Like, no lie, I felt like I was Power Ranger. Either that or I say the New York Yankees, just because of baseball style, like that's so different okay. on the football uniform. I felt like that was so unique and different. And then I was wearing the number two. You know, I was feeling like Derek G to that game. So, you know, it, it, it was special. Like, it was special for me. All right. So, yeah. No doubt. So, man, like you said, man, we thank you for joining us. As always, is there anything you like to plug, anything you're doing? I know you're still doing your apparel. Oh, yeah, I still had a feedback apparel. Um, I'm actually having a camp June 9th through the 11th. I keep, uh, keep you guys uh updated about that. It's going to be here in uh, Central Florida. So it's going to be my first camp. So this is big news for me. And also, um, yeah, I just want everybody to continue just, uh, continue to just keep pushing out there. If you're watching this, I hope you find some little motivation, something you can take with you. You just enjoy this. And I appreciate you guys for having me on this podcast. And I really appreciate it. Enjoy my time. So, and um, that's all. Yo, before we, we have to ask them, I heard you and Amir talking about Frankie so hard. What was your go-to <laughs> spot? Like when you had something, you went out and got something to eat in South Bend. What was your go-to spot? Oh, um, Linden Grill. That was my. That oh, was Linden my Grill time. was good. What? <laughs> uh, downtown's little I used to stay in Linden Grill at least twice or three times a week. That was my spot, Linden Grill. Got Check out Linden Grill, I'm trying to Linden say. Linden Grill? Okay, I'm Linden having to check Grill. it out. I'll be up in Linden the bin in like two weeks. Man, I see, you see, I didn't take no time. I didn't waste no time. That's no, you did No time. No time. <laughs> Dex, man, we'll have you back on soon. Continue health. 
continue wealth, continue success to you and your family, man. And uh, we'll talk to you sometime right before the season. Thanks, Thank Juice. You, Thank you. I appreciate y'all. God bless. Same to you. That's Dexter Williams, former Notre Dame running back right here on the Lucky Lefty podcast. Every time I talk to one of your former teammates, bro, I become more and more impressed <laughs> with you guys, man, and just the love you have for one another. And everybody has a story. Everybody has a great story to tell about those times and those teams. I think he was going to roll with the 2018 team until you until you chimed in. He had to he had to give credit where credit was due. He couldn't say he could not say us. Even if he chose 18, he could not say us because he was in that conversation. You man, you bullied you bullied Dex, man. <laughs> you bullied him into choosing the 2015 squad. Man, that's that's right. that's squad. Right. If it wasn't for 15, 18 wouldn't know what direction to head in. You know, now see, that's a whole nother argument. I mean, you all were the you know, you're the godfathers of the whole movement. You know what time it is. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty historic Pet Junction? That was the remix. Lucky Lucky Podcast, Petty Junction. You know how we do it. So, I'm going to start you off right, bro. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, the Mad Dog Russo was on ESPN first take. And, uh, I'm just going to set you up. I, I, even I think it's petty. He said, <laughs> he said in their prime, there's no debate that Larry Bird is a better player than LeBron James. Oh, my gosh. It's petty because you know you had to really had to really think about that before you said that. That you know you was going so far against the grain that they literally brought you on for just that comment alone. You'll probably never see TV the same spotlight like you did with that comment. Now, just because there was nothing going on in sports – and that was the hottest thing on the headlines. You get a pass. But that's still the pettiest thing to even fix your lips to say, because not only do you have to do extensive research to even find some something to give you evidence like that, it's just a reach because there's so many more players better than Larry Bird that you done skipped over to just say LeBron. I mean, there's a gap between Larry Bird and LeBron. You done skipped over a bunch of players just to say that comparison. So it just shows that you petty for downgrading everybody else you done skipped over just to get to LeBron. And that's and we're not trying to be disrespectful to Larry Bird. Like, we understand how cold Larry Bird was. At least I do. I'm a little bit older than Malik. So that was I my get point. that he was good, but come on. This no, is no, LeBron no, no, stop, James. Stop, 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 bro. 
Stop. I'm not gonna say good. I'm not gonna say good. He was a great. I'm not he gonna was, say he was cold. He was cold. He was he, he was cold, bro. He's definitely a Hall of Famer. Definitely a top twenty-five player. No, he's top. He's top ten. Stop. Stop. He's top ten. Yeah, Larry Bird. Yeah, dog. Are you serious? Ten? Now this ten is a. Is you a understand lot. the year before he got the Boston, they were like nineteen and sixty-three. Okay, but top, there's ten great, great, great players you can name. Okay, man. All right. Jordan. Okay. LeBron. Okay. Kareem, okay. Magic. Okay. That's just what's that four right there, right? Yep. Now six of them: Elijah Wan. Okay. Shaq. Okay. Dude, this is your list. Keep going. Oh, you said okay. I'm just telling you that's I'm at six already. That's six. That's six. He's one of the next four best players. You oh. okay. He's one of the four next best players. You keep going. Bill Russell, that's seven. Wilt Chamberlain, that's eight. Okay. Now two more now. Two more. Who you put? You want to put KD in there? KD's up in there. That's nine. Who else you put before Larry Bird? I'll wait. He's gonna be here all night. I'm not gonna be all night. It's a bunch of players. You can say Oscar Robinson. You can say Julius Irving. You can say Julius Irving. You can say Man, let's go to the next topic, man. You you just lost me. You said Dr. What? You said Dr. J. Stop. Stop. Kobe Bean Bryant can go in Stop. there. Stop. Yo, let me tell, let me play this and tell me if this is going too far. LL Nation, let us know. Is this petty? Just watch this. baseball game home run off of the Notre Dame baseball team Notre Dame won the game it <laughs> so it's like dude you know I, I love baseball and I'm all for the bat flips whether or not you think the little bat flip the strut down the first the bat flip whether or not you thought that was petty you know for me I'm all for it I feel like you hit a ball out the park. Hey, you know, that's that's the goes into the narrative that where everybody's Super Bowl, everybody's NFB championship, where everybody's everything. So you get that off. I hey, listen, it's your one chance at being at Notre Dame, do something like that. Probably won't happen again. And you're definitely not coming out the game with a win. So, you know, get your victories when you can. Yeah, see, I'm see, this is my thing. If I'm the pitcher, that next batter. Yeah, the, the one that was clapping at the plate. Yeah, man. Watch your head. Protect your neck, as Wu Tang, Wu -Tang would say. Protect yeah. your neck. Because I'm coming dead for your head. 
So before we get out of here, we didn't have time to do this before Dex uh, tapped in with us, but just an update. Matt Bayless did meet with, meet with the media today, and he discussed his relationship with Marcus Freeman and how they're preparing the team. Uh, there's always conversation in terms of, you know, the vision of what, you know, he wants to see, you know, and that starts with the gold standard, you know, and, and challenge everything, unit strength and competitive spirit. And so we're going to do, you know, everything in that manner. Um, and, you know, he's challenged me to do that and he's allowed me and trusted me to do that to the best of, of my abilities and really our staff's strength staff's abilities have done an incredible job of, of trying to challenge the team both competitively and, and like I said in a way that makes us better in a fun way. One of the biggest groups of early enrollees they've had at Notre Dame, Matt Bayless gives us an update on how they're doing doing training. The, the group as a whole is, you know, the stuff they're doing is very encouraging. Um, you know, they've, they've got great work ethic, um, you know, awesome attitudes. They have no problem working hard, uh, very coachable, you know, and, and willing to learn and willing to, you know, to put out their best, you know, uh, on a day in and day out basis. And then he talked about staying at Notre Dame. He had a great offer to leave in the offseason. He chose to stay. This is why he chose to stay. Well, I've been, felt blessed to be here since the day, you know, I found out that I was have the opportunity even just to interview here. Um, and so it was a dream of mine. To, this is my dream job. And so Notre Dame is, you know, is, is where I've always wanted to be. I was a fan growing up, and, and so I love it here. Uh, you know, plus the fact that, you know, my family is very happy here. I have two sons, one son in high school, um, loves it, thriving. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, you know, if you said, you know, 25 years ago, where, you know, where do you want to be if, you know, if you had your choice, it would be here, you know, here in, in this situation. So it's pretty easy. So Matt Bayless talking about why he stayed, the connection he has with Marcus Freeman and that plan for the players and the uh, strength and conditioning program moving forward, and also an update on the early enrollees. Man, it was a good show today, bro. Good show. Hell yeah, man. Good to get players back on, you know, catching up with them, and it's crazy how far their journeys have taken since I've seen them and talked to them, and, and they're continuing to get better every week. So, Is there a football equivalent to the bat toss? In football, I don't think so. Yeah, see, baseball, oh, man. Back toss. Yeah, the bat toss is like so disrespectful. But yeah, I guess it's spiking the football or spinning it, or spinning in the end zone, or doing the or the doing the first down gesture. I think that's disrespectful because you could be losing and people still do it. You know. You think so? Yeah, it's like the game just started. You talking about first down? Like, come on. You know what I love to see though? I like to see a quarterback get 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 crushed by a pass rusher, hmm. but throws a touchdown in the process. Yeah, that's like the love of the game right there. That's like you can't and, make and it. Get up and get up and just stare at him while you run to celebrate. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, it depends. Sometimes it'd be hurting, so you be slow to get up. You know. But Look, you talk your stuff. You talk your stuff. You talk your stuff. What's the craziest thing you said on the field, bro? 
I feel like you talk trash in that that bowl game against LSU. Uh, after the after the touchdown, I mean after the field goal, because I had to hold that thing and I, I had a bad you time. Did. You did. I had a bad rain. time holding it and before. Yeah. So I was like, man, I don't know why they thought I was. I could. I mean, I don't know. Just because you're quarterback, they thought you had great hands. Huh? But this, I wasn't. You know, I wasn't the holder the whole year. So right. at that point, it was just. Hey, they had. They made me sweat for that. Uh, that little MVP after the game, definitely. So, Lucky Lucky Podcast, as always, featuring and brought to you by Nora Whiskey at NoraWhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey, or NoraWhiskey.com. Subscribe, hit the like button, smash that like button. Let us know. Let's get the subscriptions up. We thank you for supporting LL Nation. We're right there on the precipice of 2000. We couldn't have done it without you. We appreciate you greatly. Follow us on Apple Podcasts. Just go search A2S Network. And I'll check in. I saw some of your comments saying that we've had problems uploading our shows lately. I'll check into that and make sure we get it corrected in the coming days. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at LuckyLeftyPod. For the Culture Friday, man. Can't wait to get to it. Another show. Another special guest. Look forward to you guys joining us at 5 p.m. Central Time tomorrow right here on the Lucky Lefty Podcast. For the original Lucky Lefty, Malik Zaire. I'm Sean Davis. We'll see you tomorrow. And as always, spend it different today. Yeah.